Hey guys, welcome to Activism Uncensored with the Brown Activists, a series where we will discuss activism from a Gen Z perspective. This season, hosts Perna, Minakshi, and Meg will tackle all things activism in the South Asian community, from cultural awareness to stigmas. On today's podcast episode, the Brown Activists will take on whitewashing and cultural disconnection. So the three of us have all grown up in America, but we all have different experiences growing up brown. And we wanted to touch on that since a lot of bases and uh, teenagers like us have shared experiences and we thought that maybe our perspective could kind of resonate with y'all. So I know personally for me, I have a history like whitewashing my name. So starting from around kindergarten to around sixth grade, I used to tell everyone to call me Perna instead of Prerna because it was just so much easier than having to like spend so much of time explaining to people how to constantly pronounce my name and I honestly just wanted to make it easier for people and in that process I felt like I was kind of losing what made me unique in terms of my name and I honestly feel like I shouldn't have had to do that because it doesn't take that long to take five minutes and just learn how to pronounce a person's name and it's really annoying when you know you don't take the time and do that and you just ignore it. Um, for a lot of people, especially people with ethnic names, our names have a deeper meaning. And when you do things like that, it can really hurt us. And I know that, you know, from now on, I'll be embracing my name with a lot more pride. And I'll probably, I'll be, you know, telling people to pronounce it correctly. And I just hope like, also from now on, people's perspective change on names. You know, for some people, they didn't intentionally whitewash their name growing up. Like for me, when my parents moved from India to New York, they decided to legally change my name from Meenakshi to Minakshi because they figured, oh, when she grows up in America, um, people will be able to say her name better. Although that name change didn't affect, um, well, it did affect me because I have this weird cultural disconnection because Meenakshi was the name that my grandpa gave me during a special naming ceremony. And that was changed when I turned one because my parents wanted me to have a better life in America. So not all of us um, want that whitewashing of our name, but it was given to us. And I still have so many conflicts now thinking, should I change my name back to Minakshi and you know, connect with my culture more? Or should I just keep the name Minakshi and you know, grow up in America and work in America with that whitewashed name? I have to agree with what Prana and Minakshi have been saying. The changing of our names to our whitewashed versions like really made us question our identities and what we should do with that in the future. And with my experience in names, I my full name is Meghna. I do go by Meg. Even in this podcast, we do recognize my name is Meg simply because that's my preference in the US. I used to be Meghna back in elementary school and even when I moved to India. But in elementary school and even in India, no one did pronounce my name correctly. And I felt that the more that people pronounced my name wrong, the more it took away from the cultural connection and the personality of my name. So I just changed it entirely. So I could still keep my personality in my name without people butchering it because I felt so horrible every time someone butchered my name. And that's why I even tell my friends who have grown up in America to call me Meg because they sometimes also butcher it, even though they're Indian themselves. And that really shows you the disconnection that a lot of Indians growing up in America have with their culture. 
And, you know, on the topic of names, when I was in elementary school, I had an English teacher who called me Malisha once. It was really bad. And, you know, slight opportunities to mispronounce my name, they do occur, you know, in elementary school, middle school, and even in high school. But I tried to kind of keep them under wraps by calling myself Meg. But can we just talk about, like, how sad it is that whenever we go into a souvenir shop or go on a vacation we're trying to find like a keychain with our name on it all the keychains just have white names on it and the ethnic names are just erased from existence like I had to get Megan spelled m-e-g-h-a-n and I had to write the a in my last like the last letter of my name on the keychain because they just did not have a Megan they only had Megan's and Megan's maybe without the h and I think for Minakshi and Purna, especially, like they couldn't even find a Megan within their name. They're not going to find a Minak or a prayer. Okay. So I think a lot of us agree. And especially to you guys streaming, if you are Indian or you do have an ethnic name, it's really sad to see your name or maybe the history behind your name erased from American society. And it's not their fault. I mean, I don't think they know that names like Megana or Menachi or Prana or other names exist, but it's still a little bit sad to see that our culture isn't really represented in the US. And even when people pronounce our name, they don't take the time to learn how to correctly pronounce it. And, you know, going off of the story she said with the keychain, I remember, you know, seeing things like the Coke bottles or the license plates and being really disappointed that I would never see my name on those things because it really just felt like I wasn't being represented. And it's really weird to think about because a lot of people say that America is a melting pot of different cultures, but I would have liked to see like different names, not just regular white names and things like that, so that it would have really felt like we are a melting pot of cultures. You know, there's many instances in America where people don't want to respect your ethnic name and respect your cultural name. Um, there was this time in middle school where um, I was in orchestra, okay? And, you know, typically orchestras have Indian, South Asian, Asians, okay? And we had a white substitute. Um, she was, you know, doing name call, doing the attendance, and she mispronounced every single cultural and ethnic name. And obviously, you know, we wanted to correct her saying, oh, it's not, you know, Minishka, it's Minakshi, okay? And she got frustrated at us. She literally, she got so angry at us and happened to call the principal and was like, these kids, they're being disrespectful. What's so disrespectful of us? trying to make you say our ethnic names correctly like don't you have that much like at least have a little respect to respect our names and our roots I thought it was a really horrible experience in middle school and even though by that time I liked my name it caused so much confusion like should I make my name easier for substitutes to say should I just shorten it to Mina and with the whole substitute thing too like I, by the time I was in middle school, I'd kind of just like been at the point where every time I would have to substitute, I wouldn't try and correct them or have them pronounce my name correctly. Because to me at that point, like what difference would it have made? Like, I'm also going to have them for like a day or two. And I was just kind of sick and tired of people like constantly mispronouncing my name. And then sometimes people wouldn't even take the time to pronounce it correctly. So I kind of at that point just gave up. But Although we do have our substitutes here and there who completely butcher our name worse than the teachers at the school itself. 
We do always find happiness when we see an Indian substitute walk into the room and then our smiles just grow on our faces and like everyone's enthusiasm in class, especially the Indians, they just glow. And when they say our names correctly, you just have a smile on your face. And that's why like, you can always find happiness in the people who actually understand your culture coming into school and pronouncing your name correctly. And on the topic of, you know, whitewashing our names, we should also talk about whitewashing that happened throughout our childhood. You know, a lot of these name whitewashing situations happened when we were kids. And I think we can all relate to and talk about things that did occur when we were children and when we didn't know much about our culture that affected us today. And let's first talk about language. So to give background on myself, the only language I can speak fluently is English when my mother tongue is Telugu, which there's a reason for that. I used to learn Telugu. My parents used to teach it to me until I was in preschool. And fun fact, I got bitten by fire ants in preschool. And when I went to go tell the teacher that I got bitten by 30 fire ants on my foot, I was apparently talking to my teacher in a mix of Telugu and English. And when my teacher called my parents and said, oh, your child is speaking in another language. I think it would be safe for her to learn more English. My parents stopped teaching me Telugu entirely and that's when I got disconnected to my language. But the effects that that had on my life in the future was not that great. I had so many experiences of hanging out with my cousins in India, especially when I moved and they'd all be speaking in Telugu. My grandparents were speaking in Telugu, even people in the US, I go to a high school where so many people are Telugu and they speak in Telugu to each other and watch Telugu movies. And even in Hyderabad, when I was living there, they all spoke Telugu and I felt so disconnected from them. I felt like, oh, I'm just the American girl who doesn't know how to speak her own language because she's too irresponsible to learn it. It wasn't that, it was just my situation growing up. And I just felt horrible every time that, you know, Telugu was brought up because I think about my experience and how I didn't have the chance to learn it. And now it's so much harder to learn because I'm a grown up and I'm not just a kid learning for the first time. And that's probably going to affect my future if I ever go to India for a wedding or even for my kids, if I do have them and they grow up not knowing Telugu. You know, Meg, I have a similar experience to you when you were in pre preschool because Personally, I could not speak anything fluently up until I was like eight. And so growing up, I had a weird mix of like English and Malayalam and it just did not work out. My teachers at school complained, my parents complained and they were like, why isn't this child speaking one language fluently? So they decided, oh, we're not gonna teach her Malayalam. We're just gonna teach her English growing up because they thought if they taught me both languages at the same time, it would confuse my brain or something, all right? Um, so when I was, when I was like a teenager, like early high school and stuff, I often went to temple, okay, and at my temple, everyone there spoke Malayalam, okay, and so many aunties, so many uncles, they would shame me being like, why can't you speak Malayalam fluently, I thought your parents spoke to you in Malayalam, and I would feel so embarrassed, because like, yeah, why can't I speak my mother tongue, well, so that gave me so much, like, confusion, like, why, why actually, why can't I speak my mother tongue all the time, all right? Um, but that was until like sophomore year when my mom decided, okay, I'm gonna teach her Malayalam. I'm gonna teach her how to read, write, and speak Malayalam. So as of now, I can speak Malayalam fluently, but up until like 10th grade, I had this weird language barrier with everybody that spoke Malayalam. And I think so many other kids experience it, not learning their language until they're maybe older or not learning it at all. 
because I feel like language has such a huge connection to our culture, especially if you're from a different country like, you know, India, Pakistan. I have a similar experience with Meg too. I didn't um, go through that when I was younger in preschool. I actually never learned how to speak my mother tongue. I can understand it, but my first language is English. And so whenever I would go to India and meet all my relatives, it would be really hard for me to communicate with them because I could understand what they're saying, but I wouldn't know how to respond to them because they don't know English very well either. So it would have, there would be this huge disconnection. And especially when I'm here in the States, there's not a huge Odia community where I live. And in general, in America, there's not a big, Odia community, like in comparison to the Telugu community, it's relatively small compared to them. So I don't really have anyone that I can really converse with other than my parents. And so that's part of the problem for me. Like, I feel like there's a huge disconnection and it's also weird when I think about it because I can understand it, but I'm not able to speak it back to people. And I just feel like that's really hard for me. Um, and I kind of wish I knew how to speak it because it would definitely make things easier and help me have a better connection. But also at this point in time, like it's really hard to learn a new language. And you can also see how like there's so many like cultural barriers, for example, like you will have all these sites where you can learn new languages and you'll see languages that are like, you know, pretty popular and big, like Hindi or Telugu or Spanish, right? But like, it's not like you can learn Odia on Duolingo, you know? So it's a little hard when it comes to the language aspect. Speaking of language disconnection, we have to talk about food disconnection that many of us grew up with. Um, as you know, food is such a huge thing in Desi culture. Our parents used to feed us food, um, our ethnic food when we were younger, and food is just, you know, a way of saying I love you in our culture, all right? And starting to hate that food in elementary school because other people thought your food was disgusting really affected um, how we lo liked our food and how we liked our culture. And for most of us, at least for me, it led me to hating my culture because if other people hated my food, why should I like my food too? And going off of uh, how food is represented in Desi culture, it's a very big thing to eat with your hands in Desi culture. And I, I know personally for me, I like eating with a spoon better. Like when I eat rice, I prefer eating with a spoon. I just like it better. And whenever I would go to India, like people would like, you know, make a little comments about me eating with a spoon and they would be like, oh, she's too American. She, like, why isn't she eating with, you know, her hands? Or is she too good to like eat with her hands? Things like that. And I know that eating with your hands is very, you know, influential in Desi culture, but I feel like you shouldn't also be making fun of people for having their own preferences. Just because I eat with a spoon or a fork doesn't mean I'm any less Indian than the next person. Especially going off of what Prana was saying with spoon and fork eating, when I'm ever with my cousins, even in the U.S. or in India, I do have cousins living in the U.S. as well, they all eat with their hands. And because my parents taught me only to eat with a spoon and fork while eating because they wanted me to assimilate into American culture and fit in while living here, it's really hard with the cultural barrier that's there when my cousins and everyone eats with hand. And then my grandparents or aunts and uncles question me saying, why are you eating with a spoon? You need to be Indian. You need to eat with your hand. I do eat 
food with my hands in terms of I eat chapati with my hand, I eat puri with my hand, I eat anything that requires hand only eating with my hand. But you know, when it comes to rice meals or anything that I could eat with a spoon, I do eat with a spoon. And I just felt so much cultural disconnection with my relatives whenever they tell me, oh, you need to start eating with my hand, you know? But in terms of eating in general, I also wanted to make a point back to what Minakshi was saying with food in elementary school. And again, as I was saying, because my parents wanted me to assimilate into American culture and eat something that Americans were eating, I used to bring two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to school every single day in elementary school for lunch. Whenever I sat with the white kids, at lunch because I didn't really have too many Indian friends, at least for kindergarten and first grade. When I sat with my friends, I used to bring out my PB&J and my white friends, specifically Amy, Sarah, the like, that's not your actual names, but we're just gonna call you Amy and Sarah. They'd always tell me, hey Meg, why are you eating peanut butter and jelly? Don't you eat anything else? And whenever I would bring Indian food for the first time to school, they'd be like, what's that in a very condescending way. So what I felt was there's no right way to be Indian. I can't be a whitewash Indian. I can't be an Indian Indian. So what do you want me to bring? Your bland pasta, Miss Sarah? What was I supposed to do about that? So I just found it funny that I can't be the right Indian when I'm with friends at school and I can't be the right Indian when I'm eating with the spoon and fork with my cousins. Um, and that point that Meg brings up, you know, having to do certain things or, you know, losing certain parts of your culture because you have to assimilate. I think that's the biggest part when it comes to whitewashing. And that's the reason why a lot of, you know, Indians growing up in America aren't your traditional Indians. And I don't think the term whitewashing should be used in such a negative way to describe people I know I've heard a lot of people say like oh you're so whitewashed to others and I don't think that should be used as like an insult or like something negative because it's the truth that a lot of us have to do certain things or behave a certain way in order to assimilate because we want to fit in ultimately you know that's a lot of people's goal like we don't want to be singled out and we want to be able to fit in with other people and, you know, live the same type of lives as them. And I think a lot of people should start recognizing that more. And I know um, while I was on the topic of assimilation and trying to fit in, I think what happens to a lot of people, and I've had it ha happen to myself as well, is that because I'm trying so hard to fit in and I'm not able to completely fit fit in, I end up like loathing parts of myself because I wish that I could be this type of person and fit in this type of box or category when I really can't fit in. And I know like personally for me, I, you know, kind of dealt a little bit with, um, you know, having to have fairer skin. And I know a lot of people have the shared experience, like when we're drawing in kindergarten, we try to draw people or ourselves, and we're trying to look for a skin tone crayon, you know, to, you know, color ourselves with, but there's really only that yellow crayon or that white crayon, and you don't really see crayons of different shades, at least that's how it was back then, and I would always used to take the a dark brown crayon and, you know, color myself with that, even though that's not my shade of brown. And so I remember like growing up, I would always have this like weird feeling of, oh, I want to be fair. I wish I had the skin tone of white people. So, you know, I have 
things more accessible to me. You know, even now, like it's hard for me to find the right concealer or foundation shade for me because we, I have a different shade of skin. And then other times I'll be like, oh, I wish I had darker skin. Like they're so pretty. And there's just this whole like identity crisis that I used to have because I wouldn't know where to fit in or where I would be in terms of who I am as an individual in America. I definitely agree about the crayon thing. I remember I was in second grade and we were supposed to draw self-portraits for class because our teacher was like, hey, let's hang up your self-portraits for the entire school to see you whenever they enter our classroom. So I was there creating my self-portrait. You know, I had pretty short hair. I gave myself black hair, nice, pretty red clothing. But when it came to the skin color, there was an option for me to lightly shade the brown crayon onto the paper and give myself the skin color I had, but I thought white was prettier. I thought, let me use that tan looking white people skin color and put that on my self portrait. And someone came up to my portrait and they were like, that doesn't look like you. And I'm like, no, it does. You can see I have the short hair, I have the clothing. It looks exactly like me, but I don't think they were talking about my hair. I think they were talking about my skin color. I'm not white, I'm brown. And that kind of had an impact on me because I used to want to assimilate into white culture so badly. My parents taught me to assimilate in terms of language and eating with a spoon and fork. I wanted to assimilate with my skin color. I, I know my parents love me and I'm pretty sure they want me to embrace my skin color, but at the time I didn't want to. I embrace it now, but I did have some troubles back then. And there was more instances where that came from. Whenever I used to go like online gaming, I know you had a ton of like gaming sites and girls go games, like everyone went there. And whenever I went on there and I had the option to create an avatar for myself, what I used to do was, I used to make the avatar look like me, but I used to give the avatar surprisingly light skin. And even when I created my Bitmoji on Snapchat, this was, I think, in the seventh grade or something, but I gave my Bitmoji pretty light skin and blue eyes. I don't have blue eyes. I'm not white. And I felt like I used to whitewash myself so much. And I wish I didn't do that. I wish I just embraced how I was and how I looked in general, because I feel like I look like your standard Indian person, but that isn't a bad thing. I like how I look right now. And I wish I just didn't have that self-hate in terms of my disconnection with how I look back when I was a child and when I was growing up. Speaking of like crayons and lighter skin in general, I feel like those childhood issues that we had growing up really led onto our older life. For example, me, I still have such a warped perception of my skin tone. Am I dark skin? Am I brown skin? Because America puts such a heavy emphasis on your race, on your skin color and everything. So if I go to a makeup store or if I, you know, draw myself, I still have so much confusion. Like, do I use this shade of brown? Do I pick this lighter shade? Do I pick this darker shade? And I still don't know my foundation. I don't know what my concealer shade should be. Like, I don't know. I feel like the minor issues we had growing up with coloring ourselves with crayons can really lead to the issues you have growing up like when you're older like how am I supposed to pick um my makeup shade when I'm I don't know 20 and going to a job um, these little instances of self-hate you see when you're younger can carry on when you're older and I think not many people realize that and connecting it to the self-hate I know we touched on 
names earlier, but I remember seeing a TikTok where someone was trying to criticize another individual by saying that they weren't Indian enough because they were whitewashing their name and they had a nickname for it that they were using instead of their actual name. And I'm just, and I was literally just like shocked by that. And I was like, how is that a valid, you know, criticism of someone? A lot of people know what it's like to, you know, have our names be butchered and have other aspects of our, you know, identity be lessened. And I don't know how you can hold that against another person for just wanting to fit in. We mentioned so many instances of confusion, self-hate, and overall disconnection from our native culture. And it shows how much our childhood and upbringing in America can, can like, you know, affect our identity when we're growing up. And with that, we wrap up our episode for today. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Brown Activist and on Twitter at Brown Activist underscore. Thanks for joining us and see you next episode.